The purpose of the first Christian church is to love God, love others, and spread the gospel. That is what we're talking about today. We're not talking about our mission statement, but we're talking about purpose. In his book, how many of you read The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren? Several of you have read it? Okay. Here's a really good quote that I want to share with you from, from Rick Warren's book. This comes from page 17. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by His purpose and for His purpose. You are not an accident. You are not an oops. Okay? Some people look at their lives and think, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just an accident. I, I wasn't supposed to be here and... God, you know, I, I don't even know why I'm here. You are not an accident. You were born for a purpose. You were born by God's purpose. God put you on planet Earth here in northwest Indiana in the 21st century for a reason. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And I know a lot of people walking around aimlessly with no ambition and no purpose in their lives, and they are just trying to figure out, why am I here? I was at that point in my life. Let me think about how far back it was. It was 1996. How many years ago? 16 years ago? At the tender age of 22, I was lost. Had no idea what I was supposed to do with my life. None purposeless. I was working two jobs, living in a crummy apartment in Sin City, Indiana, Terre Haute, and I'm living down there and I had no idea what I was doing, no idea what I was doing in my life. And I prayed to God, God, what do you want me to do? I told you the story before. God, what do you want me to do with my life? Heard a voice in my head, clear as day. Kid you not, what did the voice say? Minister. The voice in my head. I don't always listen to the voices in my head. And I didn't listen to this one either. The voice said minister. I said, I don't want to be a minister. And I rolled over and went to sleep. A couple weeks later, I was at a retreat of the Campus Ministries of Indiana. And uh, a lady named Doris Howard walked up to me at the end of this retreat. She said, what's your name? I said, Sean. She said, Sean, what are you going to do with your life? I said, I've been asking myself that very same question. She put a finger in my chest. 55-year-old lady put a finger in my chest. I said, you're going to be a minister. Purpose. Ambition. Mission. It all came clear at that time. I could no longer run from God. God had a plan for my life. He had a purpose for my life. And if it wasn't for Doris Howard, I wouldn't be standing on this stage right now. But she listened to God who told her, you need to tell this young man that he's going to be a minister because he didn't listen to me a couple weeks ago. And so now I stand before you this morning with purpose in my life. I have a personal mission statement. How many of you have a personal mission statement? I have a personal mission statement. The purpose of my life is to help everyone within my sphere of influence grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I came up with that when I was in college, back at Lincoln Christian College, some 15 years ago. The purpose of my life is to help everyone within my sphere of influence grow, within, grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That means if you don't know Jesus, my job is to introduce you to him so that you can have a relationship with him. If you do have a relationship with him, my job is to help you grow in that relationship. My job is to help you become more like him. My job is to help you know him better. That is the personal mission statement that I have adopted for my life. That is what I do. 
That is what gets me up in the morning. That is what, besides a five-year-old kicking me in the face, um, it comes and climbs in bed and smack. <laughs> Must be time to get up. It's more than the coffee maker. It's more than the five-year-old. It is getting out of bed to help people love Jesus. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. And the coffee doesn't hurt. So, um, what are you living for? What is your purpose in life? If I were to come up to you right now, if I were to come up to you, Frenchie, and say, Frenchie, what's the purpose of your life? I think that would be the answer that a lot of people would give. Ah, he had no idea I was going to do that. I just put him on the spot. I'm sorry for that. What is the purpose of your life? What is your mission? What has God created you to do? What is God's plan for your life? We're going to talk about that today. We've been talking about the book of Ephesians on Sunday mornings. We're going to continue in our sermon series today called Who We Are in Christ. If you can locate a bulletin, if you met me at the door over here, I gave you one. And I met many of you at the door this morning and gave you one. So grab your bulletin, and on the back you'll find the handy-dandy outline. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But this sermon series, this teaching series is called Who We Are in Christ, and it's all about who God has made us to be, and it's about finding our identity in Jesus. So today we're at Ephesians chapter 3, as we continue on, and we're talking today about purpose. We're talking today about mission. We're talking about a plan. What is God's plan for us? The Apostle Paul lived with a clear sense of purpose. He lived with a passionate purpose. He lived a life of passion and purpose. Before he became Paul, his name was, anyone? Saul. His name was Saul. He was a zealous Pharisee for God. Loved God so much that anybody who did not worship him as God and worshiped anybody other than God, he would persecute. And he went around persecuting churches because they were worshiping this guy named Jesus who claimed to be the Messiah. And Saul did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He did not believe that Jesus was God. And so he was persecuting those who believed that and who were worshiping Jesus until Acts chapter 9. And in Acts chapter 9, Saul was on his way to the city of Damascus in order to persecute the church there. And a blinding light comes out of heaven, knocks him to the ground, and Jesus has a conversation with Saul. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. And at that moment, Saul's life changed. Jesus changed his purpose, and he changed his name. He became Paul, the apostle of Jesus. Paul, minister to the Gentiles. And immediately, he starts, his, his whole life changes. Everything changes because of his encounter with Jesus. He now has a different purpose. He has a different mission. He has a different ambition. He has a different plan. So we come to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 is where we're going to start. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, for this reason, he's not going to give the reason until he gets to verse 14, but uh, he kind of gets off on a tangent. Don't know what that's like. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, 
Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God, Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Now what's interesting here is that this idea, this issue of the Gentiles being part of God's people doesn't mean much to us in in 21st century Griffith, Indiana. But in the first century, this was a huge, huge issue. It was tearing apart the church. It was tearing apart Christians. And so it it was necessary that God reveal this mystery. And the mystery was how God was going to take people who were not his own people and make them his people. Because up until now, his people were the Jews. God called for himself. Before the history, before the foundations of the earth were laid, he called, he was, I'm going to, I have a plan. I'm going to call a people to be my own. And these people, from these people, are going to come a Messiah. And the Messiah is going to die for the sins of the whole world. And that is exactly what happened. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, it talks about Jesus. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus died for the sins of everybody. Look at John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God loved what? He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God did something amazing through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We see in Ephesians 3, 6 that the Gentiles are, what does it say? Gen, Gen, uh, Ephesians 3, 6, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus, in the, uh, in the promise in Christ Jesus. They are together. This, uh, God was bringing together two disparate groups of people, two people who couldn't stand each other for years and years, for centuries, for, for millennia. The Jews and Gentiles were, were, it's like oil and water, they just didn't mix. And now what God was going to bring them together in this mystery of how he was going to do it was through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That when Jesus died on the cross, he made it possible for the whole world to be saved. For everyone everywhere to be saved. Now this was the purpose that Paul was called to, was to proclaim the gospel to Gentiles. Listen to 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. He says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And this is what... Paul says about his purposes. 1 Timothy 2.7 And for this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. For this purpose I was appointed uh, a herald and an apostle to tell the good news to the Gentiles. See, Paul had a purpose. He was passionate about living that purpose. 
He was passionate about his mission. It wasn't a matter of just, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. He was zealous for it. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about three aspects of having purpose. Three aspects of living with a passionate purpose. The first aspect of living with a passionate purpose is you've got to have a God-given purpose. That's the first blank on your outline. To have a God-given purpose. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. He had a God-given purpose. God gave Paul a real purpose for living. More than just the same old, same old, more than just the daily doldrums. How many of you ever felt like it's just, you know, same day, different stuff, right? Or a different day, same stuff, right? Uh, same old, same old, uh, just the, the daily doldrums of life. You know, every day is just the same one after another, day in, day out, blah, blah, blah. I could probably describe in 60, 70% of your lives, right? I mean, it's just like, man, that sounds so familiar. I mean, I just... I. I say, how's it going? Same old, same old, same stuff, different day. You know, I mean, it's just, there's more to it than that. There's more to life than just that. In Proverbs 19, 21, it says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So the question I have is, which would you rather do? Would you rather make a man plan or have a God purpose? Would you rather make a man plan or have a God purpose? Because that's what it all comes down to. Why are you living? Why are you here? Not, not here in this room. Why are you here on this planet? Why does God have you here? You know, we'll ask the question, well, what does God want me to do with my life? What is God's will for my life? There's a book uh, by Henry Blackaby and Claude King. It's called Experiencing God. And I, I read it back when I was in college. And, and this book is, is all about trying to discover God's will for your life. And one of the things that Black Bean King says is that we shouldn't be asking the question, okay, God, what do you want me to do with my life? We should be asking the question, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in and around us? What are you doing? We should be trying to figure out what God is already doing, for that is his will. That is what he is accomplishing. Rather than saying, God, what is your will for my life? God, what are you doing? What is your will? Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, God's will is being accomplished all around of us. The question is, are we going to get on board? The train is leaving the station. Are you going to get on the train, the, the train of God's will, and do God's will where he's working? Because God is always working. He is always moving. He is always doing something. Are you on board with that? Are you making a man plan? Or are you living with a God purpose? We have to seek God's face. We have to seek his kingdom. We have to seek his will. We do that through prayer. We do that through Bible study. That's one of the things that we uh, can do uh, in order to get to know God better, in order to uh, understand his will for our lives. We see how God moves in scripture. We see how God has moved in the past. And we know that God is a God of character. And God is a God whose character doesn't change. And as he has moved in the past, he will continue to move now. He will continue to move into the future.
We have to discover what it is that God is doing and get on board with what he's doing. God has a purpose for our lives, and he wants to give you a purpose. With apologies to the Blues Brothers, you're on a mission from God. All right? God has a plan for you. He has a mission for you. He has a purpose for you. You're on a mission from God. Secondly, second aspect of Paul's purpose was that he lived with an eternal purpose. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, we say, Paul writes, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through, him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. God has an eternal purpose purpose that he has accomplished through Christ Jesus. He came up with an eternal plan to make the Gentiles a part of his family. God is working on an eternal purpose. And as I said in 2 Timothy or in 1 Timothy chapter 2 it says that God desires that no one should perish but that all men should come to a knowledge of the truth. God desires that everyone should be saved. He wants all men to be saved. All women to be saved. Everyone everywhere he wants us to be saved. That is his eternal purpose. He called the Jews to be his people, and through them he was going to send a Savior who would save the whole world. And that is exactly what happened. That Jesus came so that everyone everywhere could be saved by putting faith and trust in his death and, and resurrection, by uh, repenting and turning away from sin and turning to God for forgiveness, by confessing and, and publicly acknowledging that Jesus is your Savior, and by obeying him in baptism, we are saved and we are washed and we are made clean and we are forgiven from all of our sins and all unrighteousness. So the question I have for you this morning is, are you living for a temporary purpose or are you living for an eternal purpose? Are you living for a temporary purpose or for an eternal purpose? A lot of people in our world just want to live with as much gusto as they can muster. I'm just going to go full out all the way to the wall, man. I'm going to live with as much gusto as I can. I'm going to get it while the getting's good. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to get after it every day. Carpe diem sees the day, man. But the question is, are you living with an eternal purpose or a temporary purpose? See, people today want to live for experiences, not for eternity. They want to live for pleasure and not purpose. They want to survive not thrive. They want to make money, not make an eternal impact. These things are temporary, and they are not eternal. Pleasure is momentary. Money is fleeting. Look at the stock market. I'll show you how fleeting money is. One minute it's there, next minute it's gone. Experiences, they're great while they're going on, but every day it's like, I gotta get a new experience, I gotta get a new experiential high. I gotta go out and I gotta I gotta hit it harder than I did yesterday. Or else I'm not gonna I won't feel that rush, that adrenaline rush. So the question is, are you living for something temporary or are you living for something eternal? There was a song several years ago by the Christian artist Stephen Curtis Chapman. He wrote a song called More to This Life. And in the course it says there's more to this life than living and dying, more than just trying to make it through the day. There's more to this life, more than these eyes alone can see, and there's more than this life can ever be. There is more. There's something more to just living day in and day out. There's something more than just uh, 
tomorrow and, and today, there's eternity. What you do in your life matters for eternity. It matters for all eternity. The choices you make, the decisions you make, the places you go, the things you say, the things that you do, everything matters for eternity. Are you living for a temporary purpose or are you living for an eternal purpose? Are you living for the here and now or are you living forever? That's the question. Third aspect of living with a passionate purpose is that Paul lived with a passionate purpose. It's living with a passionate purpose. Look at verse, three, thir- verse uh, 13 of Ephesians chapter 3. I ask, therefore, not to be discour- I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Paul had this God-given purpose, this God-given eternal purpose that he was passionate about. He was so passionate about his purpose that he was willing to suffer for Jesus. That he was willing, he was writing this letter from uh, imprisonment. He was under house arrest. And he's writing this letter. He has suffered for his faith. He has suffered for Jesus. He was so passionate about what he was doing that he was willing to suffer. We read through the book of Acts. Like I said, here in the month of February coming up, we're going to have our Acts challenge. And uh, we're going to read through the entire book of Acts uh, throughout the month of February. And you will read stories of how Paul was beaten, how he was shipwrecked, how he suffered for his faith. He was passionate about. So I have another question for you today. I'm asking you all kinds of questions, and here's the question. What are you passionate about? Are you passionate about money? Are you passionate about pleasure? Are you passionate about food? Or are you passionate about Jesus? Are you passionate about your family? Are you passionate about relationships? Or are you passionate about God? Jesus said that where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. So where's your heart? If your heart is is intent on making money, if your heart is passionate, if your passion is about making money, then your heart is about money. If you're passionate about your family, then your heart is about your family. If you're passionate about pursuing pleasure, then your heart is all about pursuing pleasure. What is going to last What will last for eternity? What will last for all time? Money? When you're gone, so is your money. Pleasure? Momentary. Temporary. Food? Well, minute on the lips, lifetime on the hips. So maybe that's not as momentary as some of those other things, but it's still momentary. You know, you think about it. I mean, the pleasure you get from eating like a, a, a peanut butter cookie, like the ones that are on the, on the Welcome Center out there. Um, just a reminder, uh, take a cookie, bless somebody with it. Um, but you eat that cookie and it's like, oh, this is so good. Nom, 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 nom. Cookie's gone. Oh, I need another one. Nom, 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 nom. Oh, that's so good. Cookie's gone. It's momentary. It's temporary. What can you live for that is eternal? How can you invest your life into something that is eternal? How can you invest your life into something that is greater than just a cookie, greater than just a momentary pleasure, greater than just money, greater than uh, family, greater than relationships? What can you invest your life in that is eternal and it has a real purpose? Remember, you are on a mission from God. God has a mission for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. 
so that everything that he has given you, everything that he has blessed you with is to be used in his service for his kingdom, for his glory, for an eternal purpose. The money that you have, the money that God has blessed you with, because let's face it, the money you have is a blessing from God. What does God ask you to do with that? Invest it in his kingdom. Invested in the lives of young people who need to hear about Jesus. Invested in the lives of your of people uh, of of missions. You know, I'll, I'll turn it to Jay Gauthier for just a moment here. And Jay always, when he does the commu- the offering meditation, what does he always talk about? Missions. He always talks about missions, and he always reminds us that ten percent of every dollar you give to the general fund goes to missions. So if you put a twenty dollar in the offering plate, two bucks just went to missions. You throw fifty dollars in the offering plate, five bucks went to missions. You throw a hundred dollars in the offering plate, ten dollars goes to missions. You put a thousand dollars in the offering plate, we'll put your name on a plaque somewhere. But uh, that money goes to missions. That is God partnering with you in your tithe and your offering. To change somebody's life around the world. It is God partnering with you when you give your offering. That is God partnering with you to change somebody's life here in Griffith. Or in Highland. Or in Cherville. Or in Crown Point. Or in Gary. Or in Hammond. Or East Chicago. Or anywhere around here that we're ministering to people. God will take that gift that you give. 10% of your income. A tithe. God can take that and he can multiply it. But you know what? When Jesus... I love. I was thinking about this, this this morning. I was thinking about this whole idea of giving and, and, and giving an offering and, and how God can take and partner with us and multiply it. In the story where Jesus feeds 5,000 men plus women and children, you know, he takes five loaves of bread and two little fish, right? And he just starts breaking them off, you know, and everybody's satisfied and there's 12 basketfuls left over. If nobody gave up the fish and the bread, Jesus couldn't just, you know, poof and feed everybody. Somebody had to be willing to give. And God, if you're willing to give, God will take that and he will multiply it. And he will uh, multiply it immensely and he will bless people with it. And he will bless people uh, here in Griffith and around the surrounding area. He will bless people all over the world with the gift that you give. Because God is an amazing God of multiplication. And he can do that. You are on a mission from God. You have an eternal purpose that you need to live passionately for. We are a nation that is passionate about something. What is the most watched program year in and year out? Hint, next Sunday. The Super Bowl. 100 million people. Every, every Super Bowl parties. Super Bowl food. Every television set tuned in. Commercials. That's all I care about this year, really. But uh, we, we, we're passionate about football in this country. Teams that stink, okay, that totally stink will sell out a stadium. 70,000 crazy lunatic fans paying $75 to $100 a ticket, maybe more, to fill a stadium to watch some team lose. We're passionate about football. We paint our faces. We buy jerseys. I got a few of them, actually. I have two cheese heads. I have one head, yet I have two wedges of cheese to put on that one head. We're passionate about football. We scream. We yell. We give tithes and offerings to our teams. Never thought of it that way, did you? Buying tickets, buying jerseys, all that stuff. 
paying for all kinds of things. We're passionate about football. My challenge to us today is to be passionate about Jesus to be passionate about the church, to be passionate about the purpose that God has called you to, be passionate about the plan that God has for you because there are people in your life, people that you know, people that I know, people, our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our family, people who don't know Jesus. They need somebody who is going to passionately pursue them with a purpose to help them know who Jesus Christ is, that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, and that they can spend eternity in heaven if they will trust him for eternal life. And it means that we've got to give our time, it means we've got to give our resources, it means we've got to give of ourselves, to give of our money, and to invest in God's kingdom rather than hoarding it all for ourselves. One of my favorite movies of all time is the movie Groundhog Day. I love Groundhog Day. Coming up this week, Thursday, is Groundhog Day, right? Punxsutawney Phil going to pop up, see his shadow six more weeks. Not see his shadow. I don't know how it all goes, but anyway, he's gonna, a rat's going to come out of the ground and people are going to make a big deal out of it. Anyway... <laughs> Is there any goofier holiday than Groundhog Day? <laughs> Where people, you know, go crazy over. Anyway, so Punxsutawney Phil is going to come up, see a shadow, not see a shadow. Winter will be over March 21st no matter what. So anyway, so in the movie Groundhog Day, Phil Connors is a weatherman. And Phil wakes up, he, he has to do this assignment and go to, to Groundhog, to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, and, and he wakes up in the morning and, and uh, goes and does the Groundhog thing goes, and ends up getting snowed in, and he wakes up the next day and it's Groundhog Day again. Same thing on the radio, it's Groundhog Day, you know, and, and every day after that, it's just day after day after day, he wakes up, it's Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day, lives the day over, over and over and over again. And so what Phil Connor starts to do is he starts to live for himself. He pursues pleasure, he pursues relationships, he pursues food, he pursues money, he steals uh, a bag of money off the back of an armored car. You remember this? So Phil's living for himself every day. You know what? Every day is the same. There's a great message to this movie I think a lot of people miss. Every day is the same when you live for yourself. But then Phil starts living for other people. He starts living with a purpose. He gives somebody the Heimlich maneuver and saves them from choking. He catches a kid who falls out of a tree. He learns to play piano so he can uh, entertain people at a, at a restaurant. He starts living for others. He starts living with a purpose. And that purpose is not just living for himself. Because I believe that when you live for yourself, every day is pretty much the same. What can I get? What can I do for me? How can I take care of myself? And a very self-centered, self-pleasing existence is very boring. But when you start to live with a purpose, and that purpose is greater than yourself, helping others, loving God, loving others, spreading the gospel, when you start to live with a real, passionate, eternal purpose, life moves on, and life gets interesting. Life gets adventurous. Life gets fascinating. Living for yourself is the same old, same old every day boring but living for jesus is an adventure like no other and i use that word purposely it is an adventure because you never know 
where God is going to take you. I think about the Apostle Philip in Acts chapter 8. Philip is kind of walking down the street one day and sees a Ethiopian eunuch reading the prophet Isaiah. Hey, let's go talk to this guy. Then it says, after he talks to him and baptizes him, the Spirit took him away, just like that. What an adventure. So what kind of adventure are you living? With what purpose are you living? For who or for what are you living? God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. You ready to find out what it is? Go get it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the purposes and the plans and how your plans and your purposes always prevail. And I pray that they would prevail in our lives. I thank you for your grace and your love and the grace by which you've called us, the grace by which you called the Apostle Paul to be passionate about his purpose for his life. And I pray that you would give us purpose, that you would give us a mission, that we would go forth and share the gospel with all those we meet. Help us to, to have a real mission in life, not to just live the same old, same old, day in, day out, boring kind of life, but to live for Jesus and to go on the adventure of a lifetime. Thank you, God, for the Apostle Paul and for uh, his, his example to us of how to live with a passionate purpose. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.